For the last few weeks, we have been looking at what I'm calling keys to kingdom living. Jesus, we've seen, came announcing and demonstrating the good news of God's kingdom rule. And, as crazy as it sounds, he wants us to do that too. He wants all of us who are his followers to follow in his footsteps. But how do we do that? What are the means by which we can do that? And those are what I'm calling keys to kingdom living that Jesus has given us. And I believe that when these keys are understood and implemented in our lives, then we will be able and enabled to say and do what he did. Yes, in the kinds of ways that he did, perhaps with the broken, the outcast, the difficult, the challenged, but I might advocate in our families and with our own loved ones and at work. God is wanting us to be like Jesus in all situations. And perhaps one of the ones that we're the least like him sometimes is at home. Anybody willing to raise your hand on that one? And so just as much as we need these keys to enable us to be able to share with a stranger or somebody in Costa Rica or somebody uh, at work, we need them at home as well. We've looked at a number of these keys so far, the first being being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We saw that Jesus did what he did, yes, fully God, but limited while he was here in a human body, but empowered by the Holy Spirit. Also, we saw from Jesus' life that he submitted to the will of God. Whenever he had a choice, whenever he had an opportunity, he said, Not my will, but your will be done, O God. Thirdly, we looked at the key that spoke of listening to the words of Jesus and incorporating his teaching into our lives, implementing its truth, and taking action on what he said. And all of these uh, talks uh, are available on our webpage. If you were not possible to be with us on one of those weeks and you have access to a computer or you can get to the library or work or whatever, Um, We want to thank uh, Benjamin Crompton back there for making that possible for us. So those are available if you would like uh, to listen to them or listen to them again. You can download them right to your computer and copy them to a CD and put it in your car, your MP3, your iPod, whatever. Last week we looked at John 5, 1 through 20, where Jesus tells us that his father is always at work and that therefore he always was at work. And he told us that he was unable to do anything on his own, but that he only did what he saw the father doing. Because the father loved the son, Jesus tells us that the father would tell him and show him what he was doing. And so the key for kingdom living from that week was that if that we also need to partner with the Father. The Father is still at work. He was at work 2,000 years ago, and he's still working. I don't know if he's ever taken a vacation, but anyway. And one of the ways that we partner with him is by spending time with him. We have to, like Jesus, take time, initiate relationship with the Father, learning who he is like, what he's about, and then watching for what he's doing and doing what he's doing. So that was the key from last week and this evening, this afternoon. Uh, soon will be completed. So those of you who need to rush out for a special appointment, I'm not sure what that might be, but um, we will attempt to complete here soon. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for the goodness of your love for us. Thank you that uh, you have not taken a vacation and that uh, you have not left us alone, but that you are still at work, at work completing the good work in us as well as completing a good work through us. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, help us tonight to grasp uh, these keys that we're going to be looking at to be able to lay hold of uh, how, how do we follow in the footsteps of Jesus? How do we implement these things and become more like him? That we might see you glorified, that we might see your kingdom expand and, ex- and express throughout the whole world. Father, pray for any guests that are here that you would especially uh, help them to find and meet you today. And that as they um, come in their search, uh, that you would uh, sweep down and welcome them in a very, very special way. Help us now to have ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Mark chapter 10. I mentioned a few weeks ago that I'm personally going through Mark uh, in my own morning devotional time. And... um, This week, as I turned there, I bumped into some passages, and I felt the Holy Spirit very clearly say, these are keys. So that was kind of cool. So we're looking at Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 13. And in um, these verses that we're going to look at to this afternoon, Mark is highlighting what, what I seem to see there as the topic of how do you enter the kingdom. How do you? How do we engage the the kingdom? How do we enter it? How do we be a part of the reign of God? First couple things we're going to look at are some hindrances, and then the third talks about um, another element of it. So we're going to look at verses 13 through 16, where we are encouraged to enter the kingdom like little children. Beginning at verse 13, Mark chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus and to have him place his hands on them and to bless them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms. He put his hands on them and blessed them. Now, because of the uh, fairly significant cultural differences between our day and Jesus' day, sometimes we miss the profoundness of some of the things that Jesus is doing and in his life. And so to highlight one of those differences, in his day, children and women were considered lower caste. Now, we're familiar with the term caste from the Hindu or the Indian culture, but uh, Jesus' culture was also Eastern and And though they may not have used that term, they had understandings that were parallel. And they they really did believe that men were of a higher caste or a higher value than women or than children. So when the mothers brought their children to Jesus for him to bless their babies and children, the disciples rebuked him, attempted to send them away. And the word here for rebuked in the Greek is is the same word, what these disciples did, is the same word that Jesus spoke to demons and the storm when he rebuked them. It's a really strong word and would probably have sounded something more like this. Stop it! Get out of here! Jesus doesn't have time for a bunch of kids. He's got more important people to see. Come on, get out of here. 
scat, skit. Get off the porch. I mean, we don't, you know, if we treat somebody like that, we get arrested. But in that day, that was their understanding. Now, when Jesus saw this, Mark tells us he was indignant. Another very strong word. It's used of the religious leaders towards Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. They were indignant that he was doing that. You could possibly say that Jesus was really ticked. (laughs) So he now rebukes the disciples for having rebuked the mothers and children. He says, don't you dare hinder the children from coming to me. Let them come for the kingdom of God belongs to them as well. Now for the Jews, this, uh, this was just absolutely radical and it just rattled their cage. It was a very shocking thing for Jesus to say. Kids too? It was huge in his day and I would advocate that it is still huge for us today, even in the church. Quite honestly, it's, it, from all appearances, children are pretty well devalued in our society and they are looked upon and considered as something less than. Well, when they grow up, you know, if they get past the teenage years, that is, if we can get them through that, then they'll become real people. But the problem is, is they are real people. And just as they were in that day, that the kingdom was for them as well, it's still for them as well. And we have a responsibility to be extending spiritual care and training to kids as well as in discipleship as well as to adults and to teens. I'm talking about, yes, our responsibility to give good care and training in our Sunday school, but primarily the care and upbringing of kids needs to happen in our homes. Our Sunday school teachers are awesome, but they only have the kids for an hour and a half. It's not sufficient. That is not the only element we're there to get their training. And so I would just highlight that from here to help us. It's not really a key there particularly, but it's something I think we need to be thoughtful of. But to head towards our key for kingdom living for this week, let's look at verse 15 there from that same passage where Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now, Mark's theme of these stories, as I mentioned, is how do we enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus tells us that the only way that we're going to get in is by entering it as a little child. Let's watch this video clip. Should be audio. It's just music right now. (laughs) This is Lucy. This is from the Narnia movie. They've been playing a game of hide-and-seek. And she's looking for a place to hide.
Now, how does the back of a wardrobe open into that? What's in her mind right now? Still see into the room. We're okay. Pretty big wardrobe. Wow, they even have lamps in this wardrobe. Kids, they're amazing little creatures, aren't they? Let's talk about for a minute, just thinking through this. What did Jesus mean by this statement? That you must receive it as a child. What would you say, talk to me here if you would, what are some of the characteristics that Jesus might be thinking of when he says you must receive the kingdom of God like a child? Faith and trust, blind acceptance, innocence, curiosity. I like that one. That's a good one. Imagination, lack of fear. They accept things. They're also dependent. This little girl didn't look all that dependent, but uh, yeah, that uh, they really are. They just don't know it, right? I, I was thoughtful thinking about this. You know, how, how many kids accept and welcome Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny without a blink of an eye when they're little? And of course, for those kids that are in the room, they, you know, those are real. So I'm not here to change your thoughts on that at all. But as adults, we have uh, a lot of challenges with believing. Now, there's another characteristic that is not quite so obvious unless you know a little bit of Greek. So I'm going to give you a tiny smidgen of Greek here. The word Jesus used for little child is paideon, which means one who is under training. And I've mentioned before that it's from this word that the Star Wars movies got their term Padawan Learner. Anybody remember that term, Padawan learner? And it's from this Greek word, paideon. And this additional characteristic that I think Jesus is referring to is if we're going to enter the kingdom of God, we have to be willing to come under training. We need the curiosity. We need the belief. We need the imagination. But we also need to be willing to come under training. That is a part of that particular age of child that he was describing there. Jesus says, go and make disciples. So he's saying that once you have become trained by someone, then you need to go and train another. Once you have entered the kingdom, then go help and bring others. What does Lucy attempt to do when he goes back through and into 
the real world. She wants to take others there and show it to them. But she faced challenges of belief with that because it was a unique situation, wasn't it? So for the first part of the key to kingdom living for this week, I would just highlight these two elements. To enter the kingdom of God, you must believe in the kingdom and be willing to be trained in the things of the kingdom. Now, it's not a blind belief. I mean, we might see that in many children, but I'm not here to advocate that we need to, as some might say, leave our, our heads outside when we come into church. Jesus never wanted anything of that nature. We don't as well. But there is, no matter where, how much elements of understanding we get, there are elements of this that are by faith. That's true of everything in life. It takes faith to sit down in these chairs. We've had even these break. But it's happened so infrequently that we don't consider it a challenge. But it's belief. We, you go out to your car and you have the belief that your car is going to start. And occasionally it doesn't. And it messes up our belief system, but most of the time it does, so we're okay. Well, in a similar way, the things of God, the things of the kingdom require believing. They require us to sort of go beyond what we naturally want to accept and live in and to step outside. Really a lot like what's occurring in the Narnia movie. C.S. Lewis was a Christian. He wrote that, those works uh, with the kingdom of God in mind with the things of God in mind and try to help us with that. So how do we enter the kingdom of God? How do we, how do we get in? How do we, what must it take? It takes belief and it takes a willingness to be trained. Now let's look at the second section of material here in Mark 10, verses 17 through 23. 17 to 23. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. I always personally find it fascinating in this passage that in response to the man's calling him good teacher, Jesus says, no one is good except God alone. That that, that just stands out to me. And then the man goes on to say that he had obeyed all the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimonies, obeyed all those since he was a boy. In other words, saying that he's good. Anyway, it's just kind of a play on, I think Jesus is poking a little bit at him and, you know, here's this man coming up thinking, I'm really good, but he's still interested. He really does long to know what, what is it? How do I get into the kingdom? What do I need to do to be saved at some level? Something else that catches my attention in this story is when Mark says Jesus looked at him and loved him. 
I just, when I read that, I just kind of personally just kind of stop in my tracks. You know, what was Jesus feeling? What was he thinking? What was stirring in Jesus at that moment? And if you were here last week, you would remember we talked about doing what the Father's doing and that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And I might speculate that what was happening here is that the Father and Jesus truly, truly loved this man and had seen him and his efforts to pursue religion and God as he understood. And I would advocate that the Father and Jesus longed to have relationship with him. Jesus' welcome to come and be his disciple was genuine. Jesus longed and wanted him to be a follower. This man was a good man, and I think the man was in earnest. But there was something in the way for him. Verses 21 and 22, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Earlier, it's interesting when you notice the particular verses from the Ten Commandments that Jesus quoted. He only quoted laws 4 through 10. If you go back to the Ten Commandments and look, you'll notice that he really began with the father and mother and then went on from there which had to do with relationships with others. And so essentially the, the man is saying, I've, I've done everything I'm supposed to as it comes to how I give care and love to other people. I'm, I'm a good man. I'm a good husband. I'm a good dad. I'm good to people. I'm taking care. I'm sure he's a wealthy man. Maybe he really took care of his servants well. Maybe he gave a lot to the church. Probably was honorable with his money to others. Every beggar that came along, he probably gave him a good amount of money. But there's a challenge here in his life. Something else had captured this man's heart. Something else had captured his affections. Something else was first in his life other than God. Now in his case, it was money. For us today, it could be a lot of things. It could be our career. It could be power. It could be clothing. It could be status. It could be our family. It could be entertainment or pleasure. The issue isn't so much what it is. It's not that those who are rich particularly have a hard time, although perhaps there may be some elements of truth to that. But honestly, for any of us, no matter what it is that has captured our heart and our affections, whatever it is that's first in our life other than God, it'll be a challenge. Listen to the first two commandments from Exodus. Exodus 20, verses 2 and 5. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Do not worship any other gods besides me. Do not make idols of any kind, whether in the shape of birds or animals or fish or dollar bills. You must never worship or bow down to them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not share your affection with any other God. I do not leave unpunished the sins of those who hate me, but I punish the children for the sins of their parents through the third and fourth generations. Exodus 25, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not share your affections with any other God. That reference there on the sins being passed on has, I believe, a lot to do with 
generational sin patterns raised in homes where there are addictions and patterns that they're passed on. I think we're very, very familiar with how that works. But God is a jealous God and He will not share His affection with any other God. The issue is not that we have to abandon anything and everything that brings pleasure or is good in life. The issue is what is first in our lives. Is there something else other than God that has taken His place? Is there something other than Him that has captured our primary affection, our primary attention? Jesus really spoke very clearly about this later in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And the passage before is speaking about our needs. Home, clothing, food. And Jesus is saying, if you will set first your affections, your attention, your primary interests on God and His kingdom, of following Jesus, you're not going to have to worry about anything else. Jesus says, if we make the pursuit of God first in our life, then everything else will fall into place. Our troubles in life come when something else is first rather than God. So I might advocate that the next part of this key to kingdom living that we are looking at today is having the Super Bowl first in your life before God hinders your ability to enter the kingdom of God. Who put that up there? Was that in my notes? My goodness. Okay. No, that's not necessarily an issue, but it could be maybe. I don't know. All right. Here's the real key. Having anything first in your life before God hinders your ability to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is wanting us to follow in his footsteps. Jesus is wanting us to pray for the sick. He's wanting us to speak to cancers and tumors. He's wanting us to work with those who are caught desperately in situations of addictions and entanglements. And he's wanting us to free and deliver people. But if we ourselves are caught by something, entrapped by something, it is going to be hard to fully participate and to extend. But I do want to say this is a journey. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seeking God is a pursuit. It's it's a pathway. It's a journey that we're on. None of us have arrived. It's not that, well, someday I'll get there and then I'll be like Jesus. No, it's an everyday situation. Every choice we face, every circumstance, every person. But we have to cooperate with God. It is a work that He does and that He will complete in us. But we cooperate. When we have a choice to choose that which leads us closer to God, if something is controlling us other than God, to get the help that we need. And God is here in his church for that kind of help and that kind of support. That's a part of what we're looking to begin to rally this coming Saturday as we do the men's workshop. A place to just let's get real about some of the challenges of our day and some of the entanglements that are out there. We need each other. We need accountability. We need help. Some Some individuals are further along in their journey. And they ought to come alongside others and help them in their journey. It's a together thing. It's a mutual thing. That's really why we feel so strongly about community groups around here. We're not intended to pursue God alone. 
We're here to do that within community. We're on a journey in the pursuit of God. And it's best when we have a partner. Jesus sent out the disciples two by two. That's a pretty good number. But then they came back together again and talked about what was going on further training. Sunday celebration here in our church and other churches, it's an important part of our week. But it's in the family and in community groups where real transformation takes place. Let's look at the last story, verses 28 through 31, for the final part of this week's Key to Kingdom Living. Verses 28 through 31. Peter has just been kind of listening to Jesus. He's watched You know, the kids come. He got rebuked a little while ago. Here this man came and he's rich. In their culture, they believed that the rich were blessed of God and were the highest. And so Peter's just having all kinds of things shattered in his head right here this day. He's just... So if the rich don't get in, what about us? Is basically his question. Peter said to Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. We're poor. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, and with them, persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Isn't that comforting? Don't you just love that ad? And with persecutions. Thank you. Peter's just had this incredible moment before, just moments before how difficult it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom. And all of a sudden he's just apprehensive. Okay, if the rich aren't getting in, what about us? We've left everything. We don't have a thing. They've got everything. How are we going to make it? And Jesus, I can imagine looking at Peter and loving him too. And saying, Peter, for people like you who have unreservedly abandoned yourself and the, and the so abandoned self and the things of this world in pursuit of me and the kingdom, I tell you, great will be your reward in this life and the next. But don't gloat too much. That reward's going to come with persecution. The investment is going to come with some challenges. But even those challenges are challenges that we have the opportunity to lay at his feet. Options, circumstances, and situations where we suffer in the name of Christ. Paul talked about it in Philippians, that I might share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. That if possible, I might attain to the resurrection power of his life in my life. And so it's through the persecutions, but... I just want to acknowledge that here in the midst of these passages about entering the kingdom of God is a group of people who have abandoned everything. And Jesus' response to them is, great will be your reward. So here is the complete key to kingdom living for this week. To enter the kingdom of God, you must believe in the kingdom and be willing to be trained in the things of the kingdom. Having anything first in your life before God, hinders your ability to enter the kingdom and complete abandonment of self and the things of this world to enter the kingdom brings multiplied reward in this life and the next. I think it's pretty well summarized in another passage, Mark 8.34, where Jesus says, Anyone wishing to follow in my footsteps 
must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow the path that I took. And so if we are going to be those kind of people who experience the fullness of life that we long to experience, the fullness of life that God has for us, then we're going to need to be these kind of people implementing these kinds of keys. It's going to take faith. I know I was reading through a number of passages in Mark a couple of weeks ago about healing and realizing, you know, it's, it is a challenge to apply faith to the many circumstances of our lives. We look at the finances in our lives and it's, it's hard to really quite imagine, well, if I put God first, if I, if I really tithe, how, how are we going to make the bills work? If I really give myself to God and, and spend the time that's needed in his word and connecting with him, how, how am I going to have enough time with my family? It takes faith. These are challenges that we face. And we need to find the way to welcome the fullness of his kingdom in our lives. It is what will bring us happiness. It will bring us the fullness of joy that we long for in this life. But we need to find that way on for each of us in the journey and the path. And we need others to journey that with us. Let's pray. Father, there are some here uh, tonight who have so welcomed your kingdom, have so welcomed you and your life as little children, that they're like Lucy, just in awe of all you do. And I thank you for them. And for those that are here today with that standing in that place as a child to say simply, I trust you, God. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my job. I trust you with my car. I trust you with our finances. Lord, help them to enter your kingdom realm as a little child. Father, for those that are here today who just wrestle with other things and find themselves so often challenged, wanting and longing for your kingdom and yet being held back, I welcome you now. I welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come and deliver, heal and mend. Set them free. Set us all free. Father, there are many times where our eyes get caught looking in where they shouldn't be. Where our beliefs and our trust is falling where it ought not to trust. And I just welcome you, Holy Spirit. Let your light shine. Let it show the darkness that reigns there and let us be free and delivered and healed from it. Lord, might we not be like this young man who turned away and missed that opportunity to be a follower, but those who are willing to lay down and like Peter and the disciples, to abandon ourselves to you. To say, here am I, Lord. Take me. 
And so for those, Father, that are here today who have done that, who have abandoned themselves to your kingdom, I welcome your blessing. I welcome your provision. (coughs) Seek first the kingdom, you said, and your righteousness. And you'll take care of everything else. Father, many of us stand here tonight in need of your kingdom realm. We stand in need of circumstances in our lives to be changed, altered, healed, forgiven. But some of us stand in a place where we're, our feet are still caught in our past and it's hindering us from being able to run into our future. And so I just welcome you, Holy Spirit, here tonight to accomplish what only you can accomplish. Let your kingdom rule and reign here. In Jesus' name. Amen. What I'd like to do is uh, simply invite uh, any of you who, for you, elements of these keys have rung a bell for you. Whether you are one who is challenged with belief or faith, whether you are ones who have just are the believing children to come and receive ministry and prayer. Some of you are hindered in your life by various circumstances. And some of you tonight have abandoned yourselves to God. And we want to minister and pray for each of you that find yourself in those situations. And so I'm just going to welcome some of the uh, leaders, some of the members here that can pray with us and help us. If you'd come on forward and then I just want to release you all to your various nights, things that you're doing. Um, If any of you are staying for Pizza with the Leaders, we're glad that uh, you will. Uh, do that. Claire and I will be kind of back out in the lobby in a few minutes, and we will help you to be able to get where we need to go. Other than that, grace to you. It's good to have each of you with us. Do you want to say something, Claire? Okay. Yeah. Um, you need some physical healing. You need to come up and um, get some prayer. There have been a lot of folks in our church who have been worn out with sickness for long periods of time and went and visit one of our gals today and yesterday and it's been over a month that she's been sick and it's just something going on. So I would really like for us to, um, before we go to prayer, if we could all agree together for God to come through for physical healing and then if you need physical healing or your baby needs physical healing, you come up here so we can lay hands. So, Father, I just pray for your kingdom to come, your power to come, Lord, and that you would break the yoke of sickness and illness over the body of Christ. And, Lord, that you would fill us with faith as we go and lay hands tonight on the sick, that your healing would come and life would come to them. And, Father, we pray for those who are so sick, Lord, that they're not even able to come to the service. We pray you would extend your hand of healing in their rooms right now where they are, Lord, and that you would heal them, Father, that, Father, we would extend ourselves to them in prayer and faith for healing to come. Father, like that woman that came and just touched, if I can just touch the hem of the Lord. And, Lord, that they would, um, in their own places, extend themselves to just touch a part of your garment, Lord, and healing would come to them. And, Father, I pray now just for faith to be in us, Father, to see healing. Father, I thank you for the healing that we experienced last week. Lord, you came through and brought miraculous healing. We just praise you and thank you for that. And we pray for you to come again in that way. In Jesus' name, amen.
Okay, one last thing I want to say is we are in a fast. And when you're in a fast, you're dedicating time to the Lord, focused time to him. And um, it's because he is cleaning and he's doing so much in our midst. And um, I, I want you to know that there is a statistic that a friend gave to me um, last week. And the statistic was this. If a couple, a married couple, will read their Bible every day and pray together every day and go to church together every Sunday, that puts them in the one percentile of ever having a divorce. So when we encourage you to spend time in the Word and pray and come to church, what we're extending to you is health, happiness, and joy and fulfillment, whether you're married or not. I mean, if you're not married, there's probably some payback for the single if there's that kind of payback for married couples. Okay, so do it. Don't quit. And if you have quit, lost your booklet, there's a few more at the back of the thing, or you want to get started on the fast now and get in on what God's doing, then I want to invite you in that. Okay, come forward for healing. Come forward for prayer, what Randy was doing, and let's see God at work. And um, if any of you are feeling a sense of, I would like to pray, but I'm not trained, I don't really know what I'm doing, come on up. We'll put you with somebody that does know what they're doing, and they'll work with you for prayer. Okay? So if you're going to get prayer, you're going to stand this way. And if you're going to pray, you're going to stand this way. Okay? Bless you. And the rest of you pick up your kids.